Support for this podcast comes from you and Yankwich & Associates, since 1997 working to provide expert, responsive service in intellectual property law to biotech, biopharmaceutical, and biochemical companies worldwide. More information at yankwich.com. Welcome to Innovation Hub. I'm Kara Miller. In 1993, when Bill Clinton signed the North American Free Trade Agreement, a tall man stood off to the side clapping. It was former President Gerald Ford, and though he was from a different party than Clinton, he argued that NAFTA made sense for at least one reason, immigration. Ford said, defeat NAFTA and there will be a tremendous flow of Mexicans to the United States wanting jobs in the U.S. We don't want that. And indeed, since the signing of NAFTA, the number of people coming to the U.S. from Mexico has plunged. Between 2005 and 2010, the Pew Research Center estimates that more people left the U.S. for Mexico than left Mexico for the U.S. But if Ford thought that that would take immigration off the table as a hot-button issue, he was wrong. Marco Rubio, a Republican senator from Florida whose parents came here from Cuba in the 1950s, says that immigration has to change. The standards have to be different from when his parents came. They came at a different era in our history. Our laws always are adjusted for the era in which we lived in. Moving towards a more merit-based system of immigration is a reality in the 21st century. That's why every other industrialized country in the world is doing that. In essence, my argument, I don't want to limit legal immigration. I certainly want to change the way we conduct it because we are in an economic competition for talent. What's been proposed is the RAISE Act, sponsored by Senator Tom Cotton, Republican of Arkansas, and Senator David Perdue, Republican of Georgia. It reduces immigration overall, and it embraces what is often called a merit-based system. But what is a merit-based system, and would it help get our economy ready for the future? Well, the RAISE Act would give potential immigrants points for things like English language proficiency, and you get points for having bachelor's degrees and master's degrees and doctorates. Having a job offer would also earn you points. Last summer, Senator Perdue explained why he felt that our immigration system needed to change. We're competing with other countries for this talent, uh, just like we're competing for other natural resources around the world. But right now, by going to a merit-based system, we will ensure that the American economy can attract the best and the brightest. But it also protects American workers because it no longer uh, is focused on uh, people who are family-related, but focuses on the merit-based uh, qualifi qualifications of the people applying. President Trump has embraced Purdue's bill, and some of the president's closest advisors, like Stephen Miller, have been intimately involved in the minutia of the bill. Here's the president speaking before a joint session of Congress in February. Switching away from this current system of lower-skilled immigration and instead adopting a merit-based system, we will have so many more benefits. It will save countless dollars raise workers' wages, and help struggling families, including immigrant families, enter the middle class. And they will do it quickly. And they will be very, very happy indeed. Canada, which the president has cited as an inspiration, does embrace, at least in part, a merit-based system. Having a college degree, having enviable job skills, having good language skills, those are all highly prized in Canada. But Canada and the U.S. differ in a number of ways, including the number of refugees that are let in. And perhaps the biggest point of difference is that Canada admits tons of immigrants, per capita, three times more than we do. And Canadians do not seem all that concerned. They're actually very happy with their policies. And the plan is to admit more immigrants. 
Kevin Johnson, who's an expert on immigration and immigration law and the dean of the University of California Davis School of Law, says that the instinct to update our immigration policies is right on, but that President Trump and his congressional allies have not found a formula that works. They're concerned that the current legal immigration levels are too high and they want to reduce them. And they also want to change the kinds of immigrants who are coming to this country. Uh, They want immigrants that they view are able to assimilate more quickly into American society. And at some level, they want to change the demographics of the immigrants who are coming to this country. They want to decrease the number of Mexicans who are coming, who often come on uh, legally on family visas. They want to decrease the number of Chinese immigrants coming to the United States who often come on family visas. They want to decrease the number of Indian uh, immigrants who often come on family visas. So I think the the real goal uh, of the RAISE Act is to limit overall legal immigration. Uh, And you see some of the advocacy groups that support the bill, groups like Numbers USA and the Federation for American Immigration Reform, they support this bill because they see it as reducing legal immigration and restricting the numbers of immigrants coming to the United States each year. You've written about the fact that there may be some unintended consequences to merit-based immigration. Do you want to talk about what those might be? Well, I think if you limit overall migration and limit the numbers of immigrant visas uh, while focusing on people with uh, PhDs, for example, uh, what you'll do is you'll fuel future flows of undocumented immigrants. You'll encourage people to enter illegally who uh, want to rejoin brothers and sisters in this country, want to rejoin parents in this country. So one of, one of the impacts of sort of limiting immigrant visas and focusing on, on only people uh, with particular skills off of the economy will be to fuel a future undocumented immigrant population in the United States. And what I think we need is something that decreases uh, a future undocumented immigration in the, pop- in the United States. So that's why I would suggest that we think more broadly about um, visas for low-skilled and medium-skilled workers as well as for the high-skilled workers. Do you think we're doing a good job matching up our immigration system with sort of what is needed for the future economy in the U.S.? No. Uh, I think that we have an Immigration Nationality Act that was passed in 1952. It was designed to keep out communists from the United States. It was designed to close the borders to the extent possible. It's been amended many times uh, over the last 50-plus years but it is a statute that was created and built at a very different time in our history. And as Senator Rubio mentioned before, every period in our history deserves and warrants a different kind of immigration policy. And I think the 1952 Act is not particularly flexible, is not necessarily geared to the economic needs of the United States in the 21st century. Um, I don't think it's geared toward the United States economic needs in the the late 20th century, much less the 21st century. (laughs) It's not good. And I think that we really should think carefully about what we need as as a nation in terms of our labor needs and the economic needs for the future. And along those lines, that's why it's so uh, darn important to attract the best and brightest students, uh, not only in the STEM fields, but often in the STEM fields that would really help the economy uh, in the future and would fit in to the, the economic needs of the 21st century. Let's back up for a minute because we have certainly seen a backlash amongst blue-collar voters against immigration in this country. It's what the numbers show. Is it possible that in creating a new immigration system, we just change the sort of 
target of concern or anger, that when you start admitting a whole bunch of doctors and and tech workers, that you get a whole bunch of white collar workers saying, well, you know, I had an easy path to this job. And now there's a whole bunch of people from other places who speak English. Great. They've been to college in other countries, but they're competing with me for my job. I think that's a possible issue. And it's actually even a a concern now among the high school temporary worker programs where, where some Americans think that we're bringing in high-tech guest workers and making it harder for them to get a job. And the job they they do get, the wages are depressed. I I do think that there should be an effort to ensure that our wage and labor laws are enforced uh, and that our current laws on the books are enforced when it comes to labor protections for for all Americans. I just have another, want to press a little harder on this because, you know, you talked about the, the senators who introduced this, um, you know, Tom Cotton, David Perdue, as wanting to um, have fewer Chinese immigrants, fewer uh, Indian immigrants. But it seems to me that if we move more towards a merit-based system, that, I mean, there's lots of Indians, for example, at the Indian Institute of Technology um, who would be great candidates for such a program. There are many Pakistanis who also almost uniformly happen to be Muslim who are great candidates to be chemists and whatever. So I don't know. I'm, I'm not sure if that's what those senators want, that shift, or, I mean, give me a sense of what you think. Well, when it comes to, I mean, it may not affect India as much as it affects Mexico, but most Mexicans who come here legally to the United States currently come here on family-based visas. Mm -hmm. Uh, Same thing for Chinese immigrants Mm, and same for Indian immigrants. So by limiting the family visas, Mm. you'd limit the number of people from those countries. Mm. And it's not like uh, the employment visas would go up in numbers. They'd probably be around the same that they currently are. I see. So it wouldn't necessarily lead to an increase in migration from India uh, or, or any other country. In mm-hmm. fact, it might be less migration mm-hmm. because the numbers are less. Mm-hmm. But I think that um, when you're dealing with migration from Mexico in particular, uh, you don't have as many PhDs in computer science coming from Mexico today to the United States as you do, for example, from India. Mm-hmm. And I do think it's fair to say that one of the primary focuses of um, President Trump uh, and, and many people who want to limit migration is on Mexican immigrants and a concern with Mexican immigrants. Mm-hmm. As President Trump put it, Mexico sending its, not its best, but it, its worst to the United States. I don't necessarily agree with that, mm-hmm. but I do think that there's a lot of concern in some quarters with migration from Mexico. Finally, um, you've looked a lot at uh, the history of immigration to the United States. How does that, can you like put in context for us what this moment feels like to you? in terms of other points in history when there's been upheaval and discussion about immigration? Yeah, I think um, if I had to identify a few different times in U.S. history that this period seems most analogous to, I would say the time in the, the late 1800s when Congress passed a series of laws known as the Chinese Exclusion Laws designed to keep out uh, Chinese immigrants from the United States. I think uh, it's it's also similar to a time right after World War One, uh, when the nation passed uh, uh, the Immigration Act of 1924, that created a, a quota system that really was designed to keep out uh, Southern and Eastern Europeans, including many many Jewish immigrants from the United States. 
those would be the two closest sort of parallels in U.S. history. Mm-hmm. Now, one of the things that, that's interesting to me about this current moment is I haven't seen anything um, like what we've been seeing in, in recent years since the 1950s or, or thereabouts in terms of the concern with immigration, the fears with immigration, and uh, the statements about immigrants that are so one-sided um, that it's really sort of, in my mind, soiled the, the discussion of immigration. Mm-hmm. The harsh language about Mexican immigrants that President Trump has used um, you know, and uh, also the harsh language he's directed at Muslims in general as opposed to any uh, terrorists in particular are very different than what we've seen um, from you know, any president in the last 50 years. Uh, and so, so it, t- t- to me, um, this is a, a time uh, that's got historical parallels but is also different from a lot of what we've seen. I didn't always agree, for example, with uh, President George W. Bush's policies on immigration, although I always thought that he used a language that was designed to um, limit division as opposed to encourage division. Mm-hmm. I think he was more sensitive, and I think he actually had a, a more nuanced approach to immigration than um, our current president. So um, it's um, certainly a memorable time. <laughs> Kevin Johnson is the dean of the University of California Davis School of Law. He's also a professor of public interest law there and Chicano studies. Thank you so much for your time. It was a pleasure. Thanks for having me. If you felt like this interview broadened your mind a little, maybe changed your perspective, or even made you just go, huh, that was interesting, take a minute to leave us a review on iTunes. It'll help more people find their way to our show. Plus, we will be indebted to you, and someday that karma is coming right back at you.